0: Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for Netflix's latest film, Apollo 10 and a Half, A Space Age Childhood. Hello, I'm Jayla, but you can call me Justin. And if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geekcentric, a podcast celebrating the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things geek-centric. Today, as I mentioned, we're sharing our thoughts on Richard Linklater's latest film, Apollo 10 and A, Half, a Space Age Childhood, which is hitting Netflix April 1st. As always, huge thanks to our friends at Netflix Canada, who are kind enough to let us take part in this early preview ahead of its general release. Joining me today are two dudes who are out of this world. We got Kevin and Nate. How are we,
1: boys? Oh, far out. Brother. Houston, we do not have a problem.
2: Oh.
0: (laughs) Houston, we do not have a problem because we got some studs on the air. All (laughs) right. (laughs) All right, well, let's kick it into high gear here. Um, As I mentioned, our film that we're reviewing today is Apollo 10 a a space-age childhood written, directed, and produced by Richard Linklater. Uh, This stars Jack Black, Bill Wise, Lee Eddy, and Josh Wiggins. Uh, Apollo Ten and a Half: and a half a space age childhood tells the story of the first moon landing in the summer of 1969 from two interwoven perspectives, the astronaut and mission control's view of the triumphant moment, and through the eyes of a kid growing up in Houston, Texas, who has intergalactic dreams of his own. Taking inspiration from Academy Award-nominated filmmaker Richard Linklater's own life, Apollo 10 and a Half: A Space Age Childhood, is a snapshot of American life in the 1960s that is part coming of age, part societal commentary, and part out-of-this-world adventure. And with that, let's launch this review into orbit and start off with with what worked for us. Kev, let's start with you. What worked for you?
1: Um, you know, I'll start off by saying, you know, especially because we've been talking so much about it and we're right in the, the thick of Oscar season, I almost wish this movie came out a month or two ago or six months down the road because I'm really afraid that it might get forgotten come Oscar season um, next year. Uh, that is to say, I think we've got my first choice for a great animated film of, of the new year in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a big fan of Richard Linklater. And I think his work is best when he's, he's, you know, honing back into his own childhood and, and he's, he's making movies that don't necessarily have a plot. They're just a, an, a, a, a capturing a moment of time, be it the last day of high school, uh, the, 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 the weekend before your college, Uh, semester starts or in this case a pivotal summer in a young boy's life and and so this movie just hit so many levels of awesomeness for me in in its nostalgia uh, of that time frame that it's really focusing on
0: yeah that was one of my first first notes of of what really stood out for me is is that this this nostalgic vibe is very familiar to to Richard Linklater's style of storytelling where he can as you as you said like just sort of live in a moment and a, and a part of time and and as you know as I read in the synopsis this is focusing on on that moon landing in 1969 and the events that happened in and around it and I, I think also with that just sort of this uh, retrospective look at you know. The late 60s and, you know, the boom of suburbia, the boom of of, you know, television and, and just this idea of what American culture looked like at the same time of when this moon landing is is uh, taking place. It, it kind of shows how uh, society and the ambitions of, of space travel kind of are on the same sort of trajectory of, of trying to achieve new things.
2: Yeah, I, I hear all that, and I, I I gotta say I I wasn't I don't think I'm as hot on it as uh, maybe you guys were. I feel like the narrative, as you described it, Kevin, um, it's going to be divisive for a lot of audiences who aren't used to maybe Richard Linklater's uh, style of of filmmaking, right? And so, kind for of sure. coming into this, I I, I definitely f- uh, sort of felt a little um, like there, it was a little meandering uh, at times. But I'll I'll get into that with with what didn't work. I will say. You know, I, I obviously didn't grow up in the in the '60s, but this movie transports you back to the '60s. Um, and while I personally couldn't connect with it, um, all the things that I'd you know heard my parents tell me about and the stories of their childhood, I saw that through Stanley, and I thought that was really really cool. And getting to see these kids grow up, and and I love how the movie highlights um television and pop culture Uh, i grew up watching syndicated episodes of uh like off of tv land right so like gilligan's island and the andy griffith show and and i love how the the this movie just is a celebration of all things 60s and serves as a history lesson uh in a lot of ways for people who have never been near that era and so i think it's uh it's really really it, it definitely succeeds in in bringing you back to that time. Um, And I thought the animation was also super dope through the rotoscoping.
0: Yeah, the the rotoscoping style, Linklater has done two other films uh, in that style. One was uh, sort of a... Uh, a documentary narrative uh, was called "Waking Life," that kind of focused on on the cognitive mind and and dream states. Uh, then we also had "Scanner Darkly," that that starred Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, and I believe Robert Downey Jr. as well. Um, it was a little bit more surrealist that that really pushed the boundaries. And then you have this film here uh, that I think Linklater again is leveraging this as a way to enhance the sort of surrealist dreamlike qualities of the story that he's trying to tell and 100% agree with you like this is a celebration of the age of TV and the age of pop culture and influence and really also just kind of taking a look at at the history of space through our understanding and how it is informed us through popular culture. Like, you know, they reference an obvious, a very popular space movie, 2001, a space odyssey. And I think that, you know, it it just goes to show how, you know, there's an understanding on earth of what space is, which kind of fuels this imaginative uh, desire to, to go and and travel through space.
2: And I I did love how anytime they showed kind of older footage, how they would cut to, it's still rotoscoped footage, but the way the way they did it, it was, was collage. Yeah, it was yeah. collagey. The, it was, there was like white outlines on people, yeah. and it was still it really different. Yeah, and it, and it was, yeah. it was so well done in that sense of like just really setting you up for hey, okay, so like. You're, you're looking back at this this moment in time that is old, even for our main character, um, whereas when it cuts back to him and him playing with his friends and stuff like that, it's just so crisp and clean. Um, I think, it, again, it just does such a great job visually of moving you back and forth between these different memories and these time eras. Um, and, yeah, man, I just I thought the look of the movie it does take, I'm not going to lie, it took me probably about a solid 20 minutes to sort of... Get sort of comfortable with it, and then once you are, mm-hmm. it sort of melts away, uh, and you can really appreciate it. So I, I really, really dug it.
1: Well, and just just touching back on on sort of the subject matter, you can you can tell how personal this is to Linklater himself, and mm-hmm. and you mentioned a Scanner Darkly, and that was obviously uh, you know an adaptation of the Philip K. Dick. Um, you know mystery noir novel and even waking life though it was written by link later it really relied a lot on uh, philosophers sharing their ideas and everything this was purely from his mind from his memory and and i just think that served such a, an important purpose of again there isn't much of a story here but just shaping the the emotions and the feelings that we have as we're experiencing this summer with a younger version of himself and I know we didn't grow up in the 60s but and we're a bit uh older than you Nate but I, we do still come from a generation that would leave in the morning take your bike out for the whole day and then be home for dinner and your parents wouldn't know where you were and you know they just trusted that you'd be out there and be okay and so all these homages to kids you know breaking bones and dangerous playground games and riding in the back of pickup trucks at seventy miles an hour down the freeway it just it was such a different time in contrast to the world we live in now, with the helicopter parents and every kid burying their face on a on a cell phone right This was a time when you would sit down in your living room and enjoy things with the family with each other and and that was such a a lovely message that I think the the movie brought
2: yeah, it definitely was. Uh, you know, we talked about Turning Red and how autobiographical it was for Domi She, yes. This is Richard Leclerc's autobiography yeah. uh, to a certain degree. And I-, I-, I loved, Kevin, your call out there, like how it highlights the freedom um, and sort of comedic, but also like v- v- often dangerous activities that kids did back then. And like, um, I just thought, you know, I-, I love the line that Stan, he says something about like kids being more expendable. Uh, and you you do constantly see it in this movie, where the where the kind of like. All right, I'm, t- I'm too tired to deal with you. Just go outside and hit your head on a rock or something. I don't care. Um, and I thought that Jack Black gave a really excellent narration. Um, he was—he's a different Jack Black though than you would expect. Like I heard Jack Black's voice, and I was like, okay, are we, is this gonna go comedic? Is this gonna go like—is he gonna be the—he's gonna have his Jack Blackisms? And he doesn't. He's very mellow tone, but I think it really fits this movie and this story
0: really, really well. Yeah,
1: he's not School of Rock Jack. Well, no, no, I, and she, I love that it's such a subdued yeah. version of him, and and the movie doesn't rely on him to provide the comedy. It's the other people in his life yep. doing these ridiculous mm-hmm. things that bring the laughs and and bring the the chuckles. And and Jack was just so soft and so it, it felt heartfelt. You could feel he attached himself to this and probably saw a lot of his own childhood in reliving these moments.
2: Yeah, and he he's just, he's just so like very calming. Like I want him to read him like an audio book or something. <laughs> I want to, I want to get into, get on on that. And I, I like this very sort of reserved version of him, but, um, and, and, you know, I think we talked about a little bit earlier, just how important this event was, but um, I think the movie, you know, along with being a history lesson, a celebration of the sixties. Yeah. It also does serve as a reminder of just how important this event was to, you know, maybe if you're listening to this yourself or your parents, most likely. Um, and, you know, I think not only for the kids growing up in and around it, but the 40,000 NASA employees who didn't fly into space, but felt just right. as part of, you know, Important. the mission as the astronauts. Yeah. Right. And so um, I th- I really I dug that quite a bit. And I thought uh, even just the way that the movie still showed the experiences of the the parents still. Um was was really well done.
0: You guys were mentioning the narration, and I kind of want to use that as a, a launching pad for talking about what didn't work. Oh, okay. Um, because while I loved Jack Black's narration, I think it was too heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there it, it almost felt as though you know it's a, it's a ninety-minute movie, but I do feel like the story very much relied on on Jack Black's narration to kind of move us through the motions of the summer, Um, which, again, even if you think of something that I I couldn't help but think about was Stand By Me, that uses also a very narration quality to kind of relive uh, and recant the moments of of a summer. Um, It wasn't necessarily as heavy handed. It was very much a uh, sort of back and forth between the characters that we would hear and hear their stories and see them sort of unfold with uh, that narration. So I guess it's like, it's not a huge negative, but I think if I was going to say anything as a negative, I think there was just too much of that.
2: Well, I think I, I kind of get what you're saying, Justin, in terms of, I mean, for me, it was a balancing issue of the actual recanting of these stories. And don't get me wrong. I've, I'm not used to Rinch Richard Linkletter's, uh filmography. Right. So I could be coming at this with completely fresh eyes, but I think a lot of people who are wanting to see, you know, maybe they, they watched the trailer for this movie. I don't think the trailer does an accurate job in really setting you up for kind of what you're actually going to get from this movie. Um, and I think if they had have scaled back a little bit, again, as much as I love Jack Black, if they had have scaled back on that narration, it could have allowed the characters to carry more weight between the scenes. Exactly. And we didn't That's really I mean. get yes. that. We got mo- little little hints of it throughout, but a lot of it was carried by his his narration. And so I think um, there's, it's not much of a story being told in the traditional linear sense. Um, It sort of flits from, from moment to moment with Jack sort of carrying that. And I thought, I do think, yeah, there, there was some opportunity for like some standout moments that really focused in on Stan, Stan himself and and his family. Um, I thought they could have, could have hit that a little better, but.
1: See, and I thought they found a great balance with that. And it, it was so reminiscent of other projects that have taken place, older projects that 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 do focus on a similar yeah. time period. It's kind of like the Wonder Years, mm-hmm. where it's an older version exactly. of himself reflecting back yeah. on it. And so, Christmas Story, I really, right? I really Very saw Christmas Story Where, yeah, where yeah. they were going yeah. with that, and and honestly, the, the 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 space adventure aspect of it, which uh, I agree, the the trailer made it seem like it might be focused a bit more on that part of it. I I I'm I'm not upset that we didn't get any more than we did of that. There are so many excellent movies out there that that show this time in history from a an autobiographical uh, autobiographical standpoint. Uh, you know, uh, movies and and television series and everything. And so, to, to to really hone in, and instead of focusing on the the, the space missions itself, it focused on how people were living at the time this was going on and how their lives paused for an hour or two each night as different events in this, in this monumentous uh, event sort of took place. So I appreciated everything he did in terms of the narrative choices to really just focus on it being about his memories rather than a more factual based exploration of what happened. Cause everybody knows the story.
0: Sure, I, I, I do, I, I get where you're coming from. I don't think we need more of the factual, but I do agree with Nate in that there could have been a better reliance on balancing what the narration is informing and allowing the characters to actually have moments because those moments felt very shoehorned in for the purpose of feeding the narrative.
1: In the beginning of the movie, they set it up. He even calls himself a storyteller, an exaggerator, right? They set this character up to to sort of almost he lives in his own head a lot of the times and he takes inspiration from his everyday life and creates his own stories in his head and i'm sure that's very much how linklater was growing up
0: that's how kids are
1: yeah that's that's how kids operate right
2: sure and and like i get that i just for me like cuz even the trailer right like the trailer set the expectations sure that's fine you can you could argue against the trailer but even the beginning of the movie really made me feel like we were going to get sort of back to that. Again, without spoiling anything, but there's, there's a moment where it pauses and you get some, he starts recanting his memories, right? And we get, and then we get back to that. And, but, but that's like the whole movie. We get the sort of this, what I thought was going to be an interstitial of flashbacks actually turns into the entire film. And for me, a lot of that was very charming, but it outstayed its its welcome of of sort of its initial charm for me. Um I, I do think that you know, again, he's a kid. He likes to over over exaggerate and imagine things. I just think it would have been so cool to see more of that in this movie. Um and exactly. and, and get, yeah. you know, again, still celebrate the 60s and still be accurate with it and still show these memories. But it just overall, it just felt very unbalanced it just felt like I was kind of like really waiting to get back to the story that was set up right at the right at the beginning of the movie and it just didn't really pay off that much
1: yeah I just don't mm-hmm. know if that was the point of the movie was that other very small adventure that it turned out to be in terms of the, the the fantastical stuff I think that was just a means to get to what he really wanted to talk about and what he really wanted to focus on. Uh, You know, that's that's at least how I saw it. And so I can totally see how you'd be disappointed. But I mean, you guys also watched a movie recently um, by Guillermo del Toro, uh, Nightmare Alley, and said that wasn't nearly enough uh, Guillermo del Toro. And I think if Linklater had gone off and done this fantastical space adventure about a boy, I would have been disappointed and said that's not the Linklater I was looking for. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's it's funny how it can work both ways in terms for of sure, for expectations sure. and and what you get uh, delivered to you.
0: For sure, yeah, no, I I totally I totally agree. Um, I'm I'm with you, Kevin. I'm I'm a huge Linklater fan. I've always been a huge Linklater fan, and I think this movie has the right amounts, of of that that Linklater style. But to Nate's point. I think he relied more on that that narration to really be the guiding force.
2: It's just it didn't feel like it it needed to be rotoscoped because because we didn't get as much of the imaginative right. Like again, it was cool. It was an awesome element, but but it could have like getting into a rotoscope so, animated film. I just was thinking like, oh, they're gonna do some some crazy stuff. But again, this well, is really I coming think at it I think the, the rotoscope. Yeah
0: is intentional and i think that is the part where you need to be a link later fan to understand but we will get to that because it's time to land this sucker and and wrap things <laughs> on up with our, our final yeah right 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 on the moon right in that dirty little crater and uh, uh we're gonna we're gonna share our final thoughts uh with our rating uh which will be out of five packs of jiffy pop
2: hmm Okay. I mean, well, heck, now I wish I liked the movie more because I love Jiffy Pop. Um, <laughs> you know what? I think, yeah, again, my, my my biggest issue with the movie is just it's, it's, it's unbalanced. But overall, it is an interesting story. I, I was still captivated throughout the, the 90 minutes, but it kind of reminds me of the stories that your favorite relative might sort of gather the family around and just tell you. And then they start to meander a little bit too much. And you kind of just want them to get to the good part of the story, and you know you you maybe you you kind of already know it, or you kind of know where they're going with it, and you're just like, okay, enough about the 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 popsicles. Like, let's keep let's you've talked about twenty minutes for the but the popsicles. Let's move on. Um, so I again, I enjoyed so much of the movie. I love the references to the pop culture. I thought the rotoscoping well, I thought maybe a little underutilized from a from a imaginary sort of again him using his imagination standpoint um, but i still thought it was really cool looking um and yeah i mean it's it's just i think it, it it didn't keep my attention enough um to get back to that that sort of main narrative that i thought would have been the main narrative but it, it actually was anyways it, it was unbalanced um it's still interesting and uh, yeah, it's 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 what childhood was growing up in the suburbs of Houston during the Apollo mission to to the moon, and that's cool. Uh, I'm at a three and a half out of five Jiffy Pop for uh for this movie.
0: I enjoyed it. Awesome, Kev. How about yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, for for myself, I I, I found myself wanting to get back to the mundane, if you will, just experiences of life at that time, rather than a fantastical space voyage of a boy. I mean, we just watched uh, recently on Netflix a sci-fi movie, family movie about a kid, you know, involving space and everything like that. And I think there's lots of animated movies about kids going out into space and and that sort of idea that that obviously do a much better job of telling that kind of story. I think in terms of the rotoscoping and, and using this animation to capture this period of time is really unique. I don't know if I've ever seen the late 60s captured quite like this. And I think... That's where the, the animation, the choice to go with the animation really does make this feel unique and, 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 and very Linklater. And just the, the, the simple dialogue, it wasn't about punchlines. It wasn't about, you know, big uh, moments making you laugh. It was just laughing at life itself and how things used to be. And I think there was a lot of reflecting on how that would have been my dad growing up. And how there were parallels to even when I was growing up and there were similar ideas of, of living a little bit more dangerously than than people do these days. And and just, you know, I, I, I love the idea of that family bond and, and certain moments bringing a family together. I can't really think of, outside of sports really, anything happening in the world that brings my family together in a positive way. And so to see how this monumentous moment in human history brought this family and this community together to celebrate something is so refreshing because we don't get enough of that these days. We get more of the the Vietnam-type things that we're constantly bombarded, bombarded with and talking about in the real world. And so it must have been a really special time for the entire world to just be focused on this one celebratory event rather than all the negative that we get all the time and so for that reason this was just such a simple enjoyable movie for me the 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 hour and a half breezed right by Uh, i loved it absolutely loved it um and as a result i'm going to give this a 4.4 out of 5 super hot popped jiffy pops jeez nice
0: super hot
2: how did you how would you get the the tinfoil off of it how did that happen
1: Did you have uh, to like cut it? Yeah, you'd use scissors. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut
0: it, and then you would flip it over because it had a handle.
1: I've never actually had it. When (laughs) when I go to a cottage, even to this day with my family, my mom will buy one just because she loved doing it as a kid, and so that's That's still something we do. It tastes.
0: They would always say it tastes better. Right? Right? Yeah. It (laughs) doesn't. Kids of the '60s and '70s. Red and butter in the
1: microwave. Thank you very much. But there you go. It tastes like nostalgia. There you go.
0: Well, you know, again, uh, I, I really enjoyed this movie, you know, much like uh, Turning Red that focused on a, you know, immigrant family living in 2002 in a very multicultural city. You know, this focuses on a suburban white family living in Houston, Texas, growing up in the 60s. That is very conventional, feels very appropriate of its time. And this is classic classic link later you know I love the rotoscoping aesthetic uh, being leveraged in this story you know the fact that the, as, as Nate pointed out the differentiation between the archival material and the, the this the, the look of the actual narrative it felt purposeful it felt meaningful um, it felt as almost a way to to create Capture in the archival memories that are kind of fragmented. Uh, you remember certain parts and the looks of certain things, and rather than uh, really kind of remembering all the details uh, in certain instances. So I thought that that was very very uh, meaningful to have it. But it's also meaningful for for Richard Linklater to be using this uh, because of the surrealist dreamlike qualities of this story. It's very purposeful that Linklater would leverage this aesthetic to really get to the heart of this story which talks about the dreams that we have from our own imagination built on the things that we love and the things that inspire us and the things that have shaped us. Linklater again shows us his ability to tell a story that feels rooted in nostalgia but with purpose to tell a larger story about identity, very much like Dazed and Confused. You know, playing off this idea of, of a child's imagination intertwined with the space landing serves as a reminder that the ambitions of traveling to space are only possible because of imagination. And, and that being said, I I understand that there are pacing issues with, with this movie. I do agree with Nate. I think that y- the narration feels familiar nostalgically to have that. Of of films of the past that recant the childhood adventures, but I do feel like it was a little too heavy-handed, and it it was the driving force of the movie in in many cases. But again, I'm a huge Linklater fan. I loved that he brought back this rotoscope aesthetic, um, and as a fan of his other films like Waking Life, uh, Scanner Darkly, uh, Dazed and Confused, and at the core of this film is a very heartfelt story that has the right amount of imagination and the right amount of coming of age. And it's a really simple story, and and I really loved it. So I'm going to be giving you this a four out of five packs of Jiffy Pop. Burning hot. Awesome. Well, that's it for our review for Apollo 10 and a half, a space-age childhood. Thanks for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love. Also, if you get a chance to check out this movie once it hits Netflix April 1st and you want to let us know your thoughts, be sure to reach out to us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that feels like a blast from the past, Well, you can reach out to us on Twitter at GeekCentricYT or on Instagram at WeAreGeekCentric. Keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering a variety of other content, such as our recent interview with Rob Brunette, an illustrator for Marvel, who shares some awesome insights and gives us a sneak peek into his creative world. Plus, we always have new content coming out, and this week is Stacked, which includes our early review for The Moon Knight in advance of our next Watch Club series for the show, which hits Disney Plus on March 30th, which means we'll have our spoiler-filled Discussion for that first episode out later this week. Plus, we have our recap coverage of the Oscars where we go over all of the awards handed out from the night. Plus, we got some more reviews hitting towards the end of this week. So, yeah, make sure you subscribe so you know when our latest episodes drop. But until then, Nate, Kevin, thanks for joining me for this nostalgic Space Age adventure review. And as we say,
1: Jiffy Pop. Smarten up, Disney.
0: <laughs> Peace.